Genre. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Protagonist Podcast, where each week we look at a great character in a great story, except when we don't. I am Joe Dorowski, and this week it is our Christmas special for 2020. And joining us is returning co-founder of the Protagonist Podcast, Todd Mack. Welcome, Todd. It's a pleasure to be here for this Christmas tradition. And as is now a six-year tradition and running, producer Andrew is here to judge our entries in our Christmas special. Yes, I am. And we have a new twist this year because of a little recording hiccup. We have ended up having to record this on my daughter's 12th birthday. And Lizzie asked as a birthday wish if she could be a judge in our Christmas special. So we have a second judge for the first time ever. Welcome Lizzie Dorowski to the Protagonist Podcast. Hi. We're glad to have you here. And I trust that there will be no bias in your judging, that your deep affection and love and dare I say adoration for me will have no impact on the way you choose which Christmas special summary you would prefer to watch. I may or may not have been hoping that you two had a big fight today. Like a big dust up. <laughs> Just a screaming match, throwing birthday cake across the room. Then <laughs> uh, I was thinking maybe you've got her like an extra special present this year. Or maybe my wallet's just right here and I'm slipping out a dollar bill every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> so Lizzie, what's your vote? <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. So listeners, as I am sure most of you are familiar, our Christmas special is geared around the idea of producer Andrew finding a list of movie uh, Christmas movies that neither Todd or I have seen. And then Todd and I each write a summary inspired by that title. And then uh, Andrew will also reveal the plot summary of the actual film that has been produced. And then the judges decide what film they would most like to watch. And it is an option for the judges to choose the film that's actually been made rather than the made up nonsense that Todd and I have come up with. Uh, So uh, with two judges, we're going to just keep a running point tally. So sometimes one of us may get a clean sweep and get two votes. Sometimes we may split the vote. Sometimes uh, maybe the original film uh takes all the points we'll have to see yep uh andrew traditionally you flip an object to decide who is going to choose the first title and read the first summary correct um so joe or todd one of you needs to pick uh right side up or upside down um and and then whoever wins gets to choose whether they're kicking or receiving so to speak Okay, Todd, why, why don't you go ahead and uh, What choose. is it that we're flipping here? Uh, in, in this case, it is my sandal. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go upside down. Oh, I, with weight ratio there, I would have gone right side up. Well, blast. Um, it landed sideways. against the wall sideways. <laughs> <laughs> so here it goes again. It is upside down. Oh, okay. It, early victory. It landed right side up and then flopped. You, you, you might say it flip flopped. <laughs> you, you might. It's actually not a flip flop um, sandal, but whatever. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go ahead and uh, and kick off. All right. The and and do you also want to pick the title? 
yeah, I, kick, I think that's kicker, fair. Kick your pick for the title. Choose. Yeah. So you can you can you know start or end strong however you want. And this year we have listeners, just so you can prepare yourselves, eight new titles of existing Christmas movies. Okay. I or holiday movies. I, I should never say. go into this game with any any amount of confidence. Uh, I'm going with the one that was the hardest for me to write. Let's just get it out of the way. Uh, this is called the Christmas Yule Blog. The Christmas Yule Blog. It's the year 2090, and the chaos that began in 2020 has culminated in a world in which Christmas has been officially forbidden. But husband and wife duo Doug and Noel, played by Zac Efron and Zendaya, 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 won't take it lying down. They run the Christmas Yule blog, an illegal website dedicated to keeping the spirit of the season alive. Every day they post about goodness and light. They share traditions of Christmas and give hope to a bleak world, always staying one step ahead of the tyrannical government, Russian bots, and internet trolls intent on taking them down. The film mixes flashbacks of how they got started when Doug posted pictures of Christmas lights on his house and how they moved from bigger and bigger acts of spreading Christmas cheer uh, and those are all intermixed with their plans for their biggest hit yet, placing a fully lighted Christmas tree in front of Rock- Rockefeller Center in New York City. Because <laughs> that always goes perfectly well to inspire the Christmas spirit. There's never yes. been a bad tree at Rockefeller Center. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. Oh, so a little dystopian future for the Christmas Yule blog. Yeah, it's kind of a heist. It's like a heist movie. Right. Yeah. Slash Christmas. You'll f- I think you'll find a theme here that I'm going I'm playing with genres tonight. Yeah, I uh, I didn't go with dystopian future heist film for mine. OK, here's my Christmas. You'll blog summary. Stella Letterman is the festive baking <laughs> company heiress and has just taken over as company president for 49 years. The popular Yule log cakes have made the fourth quarter, the company's most profitable, but the sales have been trending down to gain some good social media coverage. Holly announces that they will be giving a $50,000 cash prize for the best Yule blog. She takes the company's new in, uh, she tasks the company's new interns with finding a diverse group of Yule bloggers to be the finalists. However, they don't quite understand the task instead of finding four different excellent Christmas focused blogs they announce four different yule blogs and the individuals who run the blogs are invited to the rural new england town where the festive baking company's headquarters are located for a three-day event first up is gregory shepherd's 52 yule logs blog where he makes a different flavored yule log every week of the year and posts a detailed recipe and review after a lengthy personal memoir as a preamble. Then there is Carrie Conwith, who hosts the Yule is Bald blog, a fan blog dedicated to Yule Brenner, (laughs) in which she posts publicity stills and screenshots from throughout the Hollywood legend's career. Then there's Maya Mingle, who writes a blog called Yule Kwan Survivor Champion that is dedicated to analyzing every minute of Yule Kwan's performance on the CBS reality TV series Survivor. And finally, they have nominated Brad Pine blog you will or you shall which analyzes the appearance of the contraction yule in classic literature and speeches and debates whether the uncontracted form of the dialogue would have been you will or you shall as the four bloggers who are all attractive in their mid-30s and single gather sparks begin to fly and holly blutterman spins the obvious mistake in her intern's interpretation interpretation of yule blog into a pr win for her company as romance blossoms between pairs of yule bloggers 
Wow, that was complicated. I realized uh, I said Holly Blutterman at the end, and I changed the name at the beginning of my summary to Stella because later on there is a Holly based on a title. And uh, I'd written that that one before realizing I had to use the name Holly elsewhere. So when I said Holly Blutterman at the end, that's also Stella Blutterman, really. Stella Blutterman. Okay. Um, and, and then time for the, the real one since it's in the running. I think we used to declare a winner before Hallmark. No, but, no, no, no. but yeah, why don't we hear what the real plot is? Whether, you know, maybe it is a dystopian heist film. Maybe it's one entirely bla- based on puns around the word Yule. We'll have to see. <laughs> okay. Caroline Williams, a well-known social media travel writer, is not filled with the Christmas spirit like everyone else, but is given the assignment to cover a hundred-year-old Christmas parade in the small town of Carta de Amor, New Mexico. Although embittered by the assignment, Caroline goes anyway and meets a high school music teacher, Oscar Ortiz, who introduces her to a side of Christmas that she has never seen, with different traditions and meanings. In the 12 days before Christmas, Caroline falls in love with Christmas all over again and finds true love for herself. Uh, That's pretty cookie cutter. Hallmark Christmas movie, guys. Yes. Yeah. I hope you uh, don't mind that formula because it may show up (laughs) later on (laughs) in one of my plot summaries. Uh, so I think we should alternate uh, maybe Lizzie and Andrew awarding points for this. So Lizzie, why don't you go first? Which of these films would you most want to see? Todd's. Oh, quick, easy answer for Todd. I see how it is. Okay. <laughs> no debate. Uh, Todd, you have one point and you're on the board. Lizzie, what did you like most about Todd's? We just didn't have puns. <laughs> I think you may be in for a long night, Joseph. <laughs> and also, yours had one of the blogs that has the life story at the beginning. Just scroll for five minutes to get to the recipe. It is a frustration. All right, uh, Andrew, uh, is Todd going to get a clean sweep here? Uh, no, I'm going to go with Joe on this one. I like the puns. Mm. Oh, nice. Okay. Early tie. <laughs> I mean, I didn't want to say anything, but okay. I assumed I was going to sweep all the points but i guess that's not going to happen now so was that just this uh, round or I'll the whole game carry on. Uh, the whole game uh like every every single point <laughs> i was gonna I was, I was shooting for the record of 16 points never been achieved before <laughs> <laughs> i mean i mean honestly nobody's ever gotten eight points either so <laughs> <laughs> that's true i, I okay. anticipate someone may have a record setting scored one way or another <laughs> All right, I am going to go with, um, maybe I just need to get this one out of the way since Lizzie has revealed she might not be a fan of puns as much. So I guess I didn't include very many puns. I just hinted at them. I'm going to go with Felice Navidad, where the word dad is in all capital letters. Yeah, correct, that, Andrew? that, that and is important. Word. Yeah, Felice Navidad. Okay. All right, here's my summary for Felice Navidad. Chris Garland is a single dad who has raised three daughters, Melissa, Sarah, and Aaron. When the two oldest girls are coming back from uh, college for the holidays, they hatch a plan with their younger sister to help their dad to start dating again over the holidays. However, after Chris arrives at the airport two hours early to pick up Melissa and then spends the entire car ride home describing a documentary about an octopus that he watched the other night, she starts texting her sisters that she's worried that his identity as a dad has completely taken over and he can't remember how to be single Chris who is on the dating scene. His daughters try to break him of his dad joke punning habit, his need to share World War II trivia, and... uh, (laughs) 
<laughs> and his desire to stop to watch large construction equipment whenever he spots it out in the wild. <laughs> they think they're making progress, breaking him of his dadisms, but then he grills them dinner by going out into the snowy backyard wearing a sweatshirt, exercise shorts, tube socks, and Hawaiian flip-flops. And they know the problem is worse than they expected. After dinner, when he leans back and pats his belly and then gives a soft grunt as he stands up, they shoot nervous looks at each other. Will the daughters be able to reform their dad's image, or will they fi- find out that maybe he could find a match just as he is? <laughs> oh man, I really like that. <laughs> okay, self-reflection. <laughs> as I was thinking through what dad tropes. That's uh, like those great commercials about turning into your dad. Yeah. <laughs> I love those ones. Okay. Um Felice Navidad. As Joseph nears the end of his life, he decides it is time for him to choose one of his daughters to succeed him as president and CEO of the largest toy store in New York City. Because of this, he asks each of them, each of his three daughters, to prove their love for him by coming up with a plan to build the business over the Christmas holiday. While Joseph's first two daughters come up with plots of how they will expand the size of the store and mark up prices in order to increase margins, The youngest daughter proposes a plan by which the company will dedicate its profits to helping the poor and marginalized. At first, Joseph is disappointed in his youngest daughter because of her apparent disregard for making money. But in the end, after being kicked off the board of the company, he realizes that Christmas really is about giving, and he and his youngest daughter make up and take back the company together. That may sound familiar. You came up with the plot entirely by yourself, did you? Yes. Hey, if you're going to crib, crib from uh, William Shakespeare and King Lear, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. All right, uh, uh, Andrew, can you tell us the real plot of Felice Navidad? I can, uh, and I will. David Morales, and, and I, I feel like this one's worth pointing out. This is starring Mario Lopez. David Morales, an Arizona high school this year. principal. Uh, yeah, this is a new one this year. Okay. Wasn't he in one of the other Christmas specials you did? It's oh, he's incredibly likely that Mario Lopez has been in a Christmas he's, special that we've made up a fake it's, it's, well, it's I think one it was of a his go-to pop. things. Yeah. Anyway, uh, David Morales, an Arizona high school principal and single dad, has lost the holiday spirit after also losing his wife a few years ago during the Christmas season. Now David will do anything to avoid Christmas, so he moonlights as a delivery driver during the holidays. But this year, David's 14-year-old daughter, Noelle, and his live-in sister, Marisa, are determined to bring the Yuletide spirit back to the family and, with a little luck, also help David find love again via online dating. So when Sophie, a witty musician and customer on David's delivery route, swipes right on him, something magical happens between them. <laughs> I don't know how, how the sister and daughter are like causing this swiping to occur. Like, did they just put his profile on Tinder? Is that all that's happening? Well, I mean, if, if Mario Lopez showed up on Tinder, I think he, people would swipe right. <laughs> He's an attractive man. I'm not scared to say. I mean, that that is the <laughs> that is the basis of his role as Colonel Sanders. I believe is Mario yes. Lopez is is you know fairly handsome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, uh, I believe Andrew, you get to award the first point for Felice Navidad. Um. Um. 
I this is a tough one because I I enjoy the gags of Joseph's, but I think Todd's has greater potential to actually be good. And, and so I'm going to go with Todd's. Brutal. So, so Todd's getting a point from me on this one. Which one was Todd's? Todd's was the King Lear, the father trying to divvy up a uh, oh. a toy oh. store kingdom amongst three daughters. Todd wins. Todd, Todd wins. Oh, Todd gets a clean sweep. Okay. Wow. Okay, this is not, not going my way so far. I'm down three to one after two rounds, but it's okay. As long as I clean sweep this one, we're back into a tie. <laughs> Is it my turn? Yep. You get a pick. Okay. I'm going with the USS Christmas. Okay. It's World War II, and the sailors aboard the USS PT-107, which famously came to be known as the USS Christmas due to their heroic actions, uh, on the unforgettable Christmas Eve of 1941. When on a routine night patrol mission, they are ordered to rescue the crew of a destroyer that has been hit in the water. Being closest to being the closest rescue ship, the plucky crew of the PT are ordered to go and rescue the soldiers in the water. The problem is that a typhoon is brewing between them and the damaged ship, as well as an impenetrable line of Japanese submarines and aircraft known as Dragon Alley. Not only that, but uh, but a Japanese boat is also in the water and en route to capture the floundering American soldiers. Will the crew of the USS Christmas make it in time? Oh. Is it based on a true story? No, I just made it up. Oh. <laughs> I was channeling my uh, my inner World War II uh, dad. Dad. dad energy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going along the lines of, you know, it's like a Hunt for Red October, Sea Wolf meets uh, Perfect Storm and uh, Finest Hours. Yeah, yeah. I, so I much more intense those. than I was actually visualizing. <laughs> yeah, I'm, a, I'm just going straight up like action drama war movie. Okay, I went in a different direction. <clears throat> <laughs> in the 23rd century, a starship's passengers come out of cryogenic freezing. There's ample confusion as they're all suffering from sleep amnesia and the computer systems outside of basic life support and navigation have been damaged. No one remembers anything about who they are or what they're doing on this spaceship. Rummaging through the personal belongings for clues to who they each are and what their purpose is, they discover a small drive that when plugged into the ship's computer reveals a library of hundreds of antique Earth films labeled Hallmark. With no other basis on which to form a society, the 310 passengers aboard the rechristened USS Christmas established traditions, social norms, and cultural expectations around the canon of Hallmark Christmas movies that were on that drive. However, twist, when the USS Christmas finally arrives at its destination 120 years later, a generate, you know, multiple generations later, theories that it may not have been an accident that brought them out of their hibernation begin to spread as other ships begin to appear around the Earth-like planet. The USS Halloween, the USS Superhero, the USS Western, the USS Romance, and so on. Was there a conspiracy to develop different cultures around different genres of entertainment? That's all I have. That's that's. All I have. <laughs> I, well, now part of me wonders, it's like, okay, what does Mario Lopez mean to that crew? If, if they have just the Hallmark Christmas movies, you know? Oh yeah, um, they I, have I mean, no saved by the bell. The, saved by the bell to oh to sort of ground him. 
yeah, there's not the Ur Mario Lopez text. Right. You know, from once his, his celebrity identity <laughs> began to be formed. <laughs> I, I oh, mean, man. as funny as it is, but it's like, but Saved by the Bell would be the Ur text of It of is Mario the Ur text of, of Mario Lopez, Mario Lopez. yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and honestly, like, he's really had, like, maybe the most stable and su- substantial and consistent career out of Saved by the Bell. Uh, he, He's Absolutely. still getting the checks, right? Like, like Mark <laughs> he's, Osler, he's, he, he's done a couple things, but yeah. but not as much. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, Andrew, I, I guess before we award any points, we need to hear what the real summary of USS Christmas is. Yes, and this is going to be the, the, the big revelation. Someone at Hallmark or Lifetime is really just trying to get these summaries out and doesn't care very much. Um, because several of them are exceptionally short, but these are the honest to goodness. This is what's available summaries. So one sentence is all you get. (laughs) (laughs) Maddie, a reporter for a Norfolk newspaper embarks on a tiger cruise during Christmas time, where she meets a handsome Naval officer and stumbles upon a mystery in the ship's archive room. What? Is, is that one coming from the Hallmark M- Murders and Mysteries channel or whatever it's called? Uh, I didn't take note of it. I think it is. is it? it is, and I'll tell you why I know. Oh. Because I may or may not have uh, done a Google search for USS Christmas, hoping that there was actually a real World War II <laughs> ship called the USS Christmas. Or a, a future spaceship that is present. <laughs> exactly. On and uh, the very first thing that came up said USS Christmas Hallmark murder mystery. And I said, <gasps> no, and I closed the tab really fast. So I did not read the summary, but it is on the Hallmark murder mystery channel. What's a tiger cruise? Um, a tiger cruise is when military ships allow family members to to come aboard and spend time with the, the naval um, crew, essentially. <laughs> Thank you for teaching me some jargon that I was unfamiliar with. Uh, there is a Disney Channel original movie called Tiger Cruise, um, which is about <laughs> Andrew. I just love how much we circle back to Disney Channel original movies, <laughs> um, which stars Hayden Panettiere and is about a tiger cruise that was going on near New York City during 9-11. And so it was immediately activated and all the civilian passengers on board were still on board as it went into active what? not lockdown but, the Disney but channel movie? like high alert Wait, Disney channel yeah that, that feels a little more serious than your <laughs> typical Disney channel movie um it's I mean like it's in line with some of their more serious ones like like color of friendship you know they try to hit a couple of real topics okay um I mean it wasn't like raw on the heels of 9-11 <laughs> okay um, well, Lizzie, you get to vote first for who gets the point for USS Christmas. Okay, so let's reiterate all of these. <laughs> so Todd's was the World War II. Um, well, the World War II stuff. <laughs> and and Joseph's was this, the sci-fi colony ships. Yes, uh, generational uh, colony ship building a culture around Hallmark movies. And then I had the the mystery on a on a tiger cruise. All right, Lizzie, what's your vote? Uh, dad. Nice. Uh, no, you you can say it with confidence. Why do I call you dad? 
Yeah, you can call me. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> the listeners will know who you're referring. You to. can call him Nav- Navi Dad if you if you <laughs> prefer. The Navi Dad wins. Nice. Okay. So that's one for Joe. And um, I feel like. I feel like the mystery is actually pulling me in on Hallmark. <laughs> oh, an upset vote. One for the original uh, plot. Like, okay. like, like, well, I want to know what's up with the with the archive room. On this. Oh, that's fair. Also, I mean, I'm also kind of curious. It's like. Okay, so this the newspaper is sending this person, or are they actually related to somebody? Like, I don't know exactly what's going on. So there's some mystery here, and like, I kind of crave a good mystery. Um, Does she fall in love on the ship? I'm gonna guess. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, ha- handsome naval officer. They don't point that out unless it's oh. unless it's romance. <laughs> yeah. Um. And uh, now I I do want to say, Joseph, I think yours is an excellent premise for some speculative fiction that's that's some ursula k Le Guin kind of content yeah that's exactly what ursula k Le Guin was going for (laughs) generation absolutely flattered for 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 one of her real short ones i mean like yeah she i'm not saying it's like an ode to Le Guinian literature (laughs) but but you know like it's in that, no, no, it's I, in that vein. It is. I think Andrew, it's much more Andrew, interesting you, as you voted for the for the Hallmark Murders and Mysteries channel. You don't have to try and make it up to me by comparing me to Ursula K. Le Guin now. <laughs> well, I just I don't want to watch that movie, but I would like to read that novella. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, uh, just our point standing is Todd has three, I have two, and the original films have one at this point. So, still anybody's game. I am going to um, kind of follow the method that Todd used. I feel some of mine are pretty strong, but then there's one that I'm not feeling great about. I'm just going to get it out of the way now so that my comeback may be more impressive. (laughs) Uh, I did love the title of this one. It is called Bows of Holly. (laughs) Uh, And and with that title, I felt I had no choice but to lean into the Hallmark formula. And, and, And like we should clarify, this is Bows as in Boyfriends. Yes, yes. B-E-A-U-S. Mm-hmm. Okay. Holly Pine Ridge is a big city lawyer driven to become a partner in her law, law firm. She's too busy for things like romance or even recognizing that it is now the holiday season. When her firm's president asks for a volunteer to take charge of selecting the location for the company retreat in January, she eagerly steps forward, not even realizing it's the week before Christmas. Holly plots a course through four small New England towns to check on potential lodges to host the event. In the first town, she meets Chris Woodcutt the attractive owner of the Ivy Lodge that she is looking into. He's putting up Christmas decorations and she's surprised to find herself flirting with him, but she needs to move on to the next town. When a car car breaks down there, Noel Shepard is the single attractive mechanic who gets it running again. Holly feels a spark but needs to move on to the next town on her list. There, uh, a city Christmas parade is blocking her path. Once it passes, uh, she meets the man who had been dressed as Santa in the parade, Nick Navidad. He's attractive and single and wonders what brings a busy city gal to a small town like this. After considering uh, staying there for a, a time in the char- or staying for a little time in the charming town, Holly remembers she has one last place to check. There she's greeted by the town mayor, Joe Cristobal, who quickly reveals he's a widower with a young daughter who's lost her love for the holiday season. Unexpectedly, Holly feels a calling to help the young girl rediscover her Christmas spirit. 
and maybe spark a little Christmas spirit herself. Just then, her boss calls and asks Holly if she's chosen where the company will have its week-long retreat. Holly finds herself thinking not of the lodges, but of the men she's met as she weighs her decision. So who did she end up with? I don't know. I, this is just uh, th- this can be a little tease, Lizzie, to make you want to watch the film. I don't have to have to reveal. <laughs> yeah, these are these are these are log lines. These aren't. Yeah. You know, necessarily okay. spoiler filled summaries per per the the protagonist style. Yes. Uh, and I will just say there's one coming that don't don't ask a follow up. Uh, just just accept the premise where I leave it. Also, also <laughs> Joe's particularly fond of not not finalizing his summary. <laughs> Yeah. Except for Dream Lord. <laughs> yeah, Dream Lord, he made sure that he finished. Okay, I, there's one that I maybe went a little Dream Lord overboard towards <laughs> on this one that, that does have a good finale. But uh, that's we're not there yet. We're still on Bows of Holly. Okay. Holly has a perfect life as a fashion model in Paris. She's engaged to a handsome French model named Jean-Luc. Uh, Nicolas has just lost his job as a firefighter because he was in an accident that left his face badly scarred and his body unable to handle the rigors of the job. Unable to find any other work, Nicolas reluctantly takes a job as a photographer's assistant, holding lights and reflectors, carrying snacks and drinks to fancy people, etc. One day, Nicolas and Holly strike up a conversation during a break in the shooting. Holly is struck by Nicholas's humble demeanor, his down-to-earth mentality, his love of puppies and all things rustic, and even his disdain for the fashion industry in general. At first, their conversations are mostly playful banter, but soon sparks fly between Holly and Nicolas. It isn't convenient because Holly is preparing for the biggest day of her life as she has the most important fashion show of the year and her wedding to Jean-Luc planned for Christmas Day. Which of these bows of Holly will she choose? I think you know the answer. I don't know, Todd. It's, uh, it's, there's a lot of suspense in that one. I feel like you've had too many people named Holly. Well, this is the, the name yeah, of the that's, film was that's, <laughs> that's not our fault. Yeah, we had to work with the, the, the title of the film is Bows of Holly. So, yeah. um, Todd, did you have a Paris themed fashion summary in the past that also featured a Jean Luc? I don't think so. All right, he had the ice cream shop one. Oh, was the I had the shoe the shoe girl one, and I had the, uh, I the, the. I thought there was a fashion themed one. That was the ice cream shop. Was one. that about an ice cream shop? Well, it was about like <laughs> Bo something. I think it was Bo Holly. <laughs> and, and he was a model, and then he went to an ice cream shop and ate ice cream, and then he almost. And he oh, and then he got kind of fat, but he <laughs> fell in love with a girl. Yeah. I knew body image was part of it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I, and I do think his name was Bo Holly. <laughs> <laughs> is that proof that, is that proof that they've been cribbing off of our podcast? Can we sue him? Uh, we should. <laughs> yes. I, I think we absolutely can. All right. The actual Bows of Holly. When Holly boldly proposes to Phil, he confesses he needs to first work things out with a long-ago ex. Having booked a romantic holiday sleigh ride, despondent Holly pours her heart out um, to the sleigh driver, Jake, who takes a refreshing interest in her until Phil returns. That's it. (laughs) 
Um. <laughs> All right. I don't like these so short have... summaries. Come on. Like, whoever it is at, at Hallmark and Lifetime. It's like, come on. Give me a paragraph. <laughs> yeah. So we have uh, my tour through uh, Hallmark tropes in small towns in New England. And then we have Todd's Parisian uh, choice between uh, a firefighter and uh, what was the other alternative? Jean-Luc, a French right? model. Jean-Luc. Yeah. And then we have a uh, a, a woman whose uh, potential fiance just ditches her. <laughs> and then she strikes up a uh, friendship with the, uh, the sleigh driver. Sleigh driver. Correct. Yeah. All right. Uh, I, I think, Andrew, you get a pick first on this one. Yeah, I am. I, I, I like the meta narrative present in Joe's. So I'm going to go with Joe. Oh, God, that's a tie. We have tied wow. this thing up. I thought I had an insur- insurmountable lead. Don't call it a comeback. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Lizzie. Todd. Oh, okay. <laughs> you were primed. You guys can't see her face, but she was pretty right. excited. Reveal that. Um, <laughs> I, it, have you guys seen? I saw a meme, um, or someone said, "I really want a Hallmark Christmas movie where some Christmas-loving kid from the from from the farm town goes to the big city and meets a businesswoman who convinces him to hate Christmas and stay in New York, and make money." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I th- I. I can't say for sure, but I think Todd or I have done something along those lines at one point. <laughs> what these? It sounds like one that I would do. <laughs> Again, I'm, I'm not saying for sure, but this is our sixth year doing this. We've probably done each uh, do- dozens for sure, right? You know, yeah, that, you'd be, uh, you'd be probably in the, in the 30s. Yeah. If you're doing seven, yeah, after seven per year. Yeah. Uh, well, and after this one, we'll be in the in the 40s of fake movie plots we've made up for Christmas. I think you had eight one year before. Oh, uh, yeah. And, you know, I always say it's getting hard, but like if Hallmark can do it and Lifetime can do it every single year, so can we. So we're going to keep going. <laughs> yep. and, uh, like, so- and people constantly talk about how it's like, is it, like, it's all stupid variations on a theme. It's like, well, yeah, but there's a lot of variations on this theme. <laughs> All right, so after that one, Todd, you have the lead with four votes. I have three, and the originals have one. So where are we going next, Todd? We are going with uh, Cross Country Christmas. Uh, Before I read my summary, I just would call your mind to that episode of Seinfeld when they're making their episode of Seinfeld. Yes. Just keep that in mind. This holiday road trip film tells the story of the 1999 Mountain Vista High School cross-country team's fun-filled trip to the Foot Rocker Western Regional Championships in Mount Sac in Walnut, California. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, the main characters of this film are JV superstars Maude Tack and Joseph Jarowski. who are trying their best to navigate the social minefield that is a high school cross-country team. The race is important, but the side stories and characters are what really make the film go. The Casanova, the guy who never trains and fuels up on donuts and Mountain Dew but always wins, the Beanpole, the Swede, brothers who fight all the time, the smart pretty girls who are great fun but also scare Maude and Dozef spitless. (laughs) Will they find true love? or even enough courage to strike up a conversation with a girl to whom they are not related, how many people can they fit in the lavatory on the bus? Tune in to find out. <laughs> subtle, Todd. Very subtle. <laughs> uh, there's a very 
niche audience of a few dozen people <laughs> we know from high school who we'll get really some of those references. That one. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, now, like, I don't uh, know if Chandler Goodwin's a listener, but he's going to appreciate the shout out. <laughs> um, Todd, real quick. Yeah. Um, based on some real world history, I'm going to say they don't do super great in the romance department on this trip. (laughs) (laughs) Some people are late bloomers. Some people are late bloomers. Yes. Yeah. Hey, high school can be, there's intimidating waters to try and navigate in high school. All right. And and I'm going to say how the story starts. It matters how it ends. And I'm going to say largely not worthwhile waters in high school. (laughs) Very, very few successful traverses of those waters. Yes, in terms of like long-term success rate, yeah. probably not the greatest. Yeah. Uh, all right, um, I'm going to do a little setting up because this one I, I might have gone a little long on my summary. I'm going to trim some material to the top before I begin my summary to save, so I'm not entering Dream Lord territory of so going too far. You're not trimming the fat. You're just I'm relocating. <laughs> a slice yeah because i for this is important to, to establish two things one we're going to need some hollywood de-aging technology uh because we're going to have two plot lines one going in 1978 and one in 2019 oh and then the voice of these characters is very important so i have cast each of these roles so uh in our cast we're going to have cameron who is played by samuel l jackson and you've got to envision samuel jackson's voice we're gonna have susan who is jessica walter uh who is uh, you probably the most famous as um, Lucille Bluth on uh, Arrested Development. So yeah, a very distinctive voice there. Uh, we have Billy, who is Wallace Shawn, who is uh, the, the inconceivable guy from uh, from oh, the British. Uh, we have Stu, who is Stephen Tobolowski, uh, who is uh, the the Phil from uh, from Groundhog Day, the one who always yells Phil from across the street yeah and, and like and well-established we'll, character actor yeah yeah, yeah isn't yeah, his name ned ryerson yeah ned, yes ned, ned ryerson yes phil. although he always yells phil that's how i always like envision him is phil? Just, phil phil connors <laughs> and then we have gordon who is played by bradley whitford so uh that's our cast and so in 1978, we've got the Hollywood de-aging technology that they've used successfully on like Robert Downey Jr. and Iron Man 3 or uh, Patrick Stewart and some of the X-Men films. Uh, so we have this now, going on. Now, so they're all like college versions of themselves. I, now, Joseph, quick question. Yeah. yeah. Wallace Shawn and Steven Tobolowski have been bald for like 30 years. Or, yeah, or they longer. could be balding in college. Definitely. They're, they're some of those early balding. Okay. Uh, okay. The de-aging okay. like footage that we might have to reference <laughs> might not give us a ton. <laughs> In fact, I think it's even better if they are like trying not to be bald, but obviously are balding. You know, <laughs> that's what we're going for. So 1978, this group is all hanging out together uh, and they're playing an epic game of Dungeons and Dragons. And we're going to be popping back into the storyline across several months of time that is going to be marked by changing decorations in the apartment and the weather outside. But it's the same campaign of Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, but we're going to open up in Christmas time, 2019. Cameron, that's the Samuel L. Jackson one, rings the doorbell. Stu, this is Stephen Tobolowsky, is asleep on the couch, and he has a paperback copy of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy lying open on his belly. He gets up and passes by an undecorated Christmas tree on his way to the door. He's shocked to see Cameron at the door, and Cam just says, Susie called, it's time. Stu looks past Cameron and sees Billy sitting in the car. Billy was Wallace Shawn. 
Uh, Billy is pointedly staring out the window and not looking at Stu. Stu says he can't go if Billy's there. Cameron says this isn't about Stu and Billy's fight. It's about Gordon. Now go pack some clothes and get in the car. Eventually, because of Samuel L. Jackson, Stu listens <laughs> and does this. What follows is a road trip with Cam, Billy, and Stu constantly bickering and arguing with each other as everything that can go wrong on a cross-country road trip does. This is intercut with scenes of them as best friends in 1978. The obstacles and strategies from the D&D campaign are mirrored by events in their terrible cross-country road trip. They also talk about their lives. Cameron tears up talking about his wife passing. Billy talks about how work troubles led to his divorce, and Stu says he realized he's too hard to get along with for anyone to settle down with him. The last 1978 flashback uh, devolves into a shouting match and fight with Stu tearing up the character sheets and throwing campaign materials to the floor and storming out of the apartment before the campaign can end in 2019. After commiserating over mistakes they've made and bonding over tales of their lives from the last 40 years, Cam, Billy, and Stu have made peace and arrive at Gordon and Susie's house. It's decorated for Christmas. There are family photos on the wall. Susie brings them into a room where a sick Gordon has laid out yellowed, taped up character sheets from 1978 and prepared the finale of their D&D campaign. The camera pulls out of the house as snow falls and old friends get together for one last adventure okay i feel like pulling the uh the the dream lord flag <laughs> on this <laughs> i mean that was really good that was really good could you just imagine samuel l jackson wallace sean and stephen tobolowski arguing in a car and then yes. having like crazy things going wrong like a raccoon gets into the car when they're at a rest stop and they've got to get it out and then it's intercut with them battling dire wolves in a DD campaign as college age no i'm i'm I don't want to take anything away from the the masterpiece that you just gave us. <laughs> I'm just saying rules are rules, and and and, and there's a 150 word limit. And, on and our 150 word limit, and you broke it in your setup. <laughs> and, and and breaking rules is not fair. Like like I mean, in in basketball, this is traveling, <laughs> and that's there's a reason it's not allowed. Can I offer a counter? In basketball, this would be like dressing up in football pads <laughs> and, and barreling through. We're no longer playing. The, we're no longer playing the same game. Okay, okay. can I just that offer was one a counterpoint? Story. One small counterpoint. Say you wrote that and hadn't paid attention to the word length, and then you were reminded that there is a word length requirement. <laughs> what, what do you do? What do you do? <laughs> <laughs> All right, the real cross country Christmas. Former classmates Lena and Max are traveling home for the holidays until a storm hits and they have to work together to make it home in time, no matter the mode of transportation. That's it. What? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> There's not much there. I've, I've taught, I'm feeling better about our chances against the original film. I am too. <laughs> the more of these summaries we hear. Was that a homework? Hard to say. Yeah, I, I mean, we we keep saying Hallmark, but like, there's Hallmark. Netflix is doing like twelve of these a year, um, mostly there's starring a, Vanessa Hudgens. Lifetime, um, Lifetime is a family, or whatever that one's called now. Freeform, Free, whatever they Freeform. call it. Freeform. I don't think Freeform typically does a lot of originals. I think they're mostly oh. broadcasting like Elf and Harry Potter. That catalog stuff. Um, All right, uh, who's first this round? Is it Lizzie that gets to award the first point? No, she's shaking her head. No. So is it Andrew's turn? I guess so. Oh, that's right. Cause it Lizzie stuck me with that, that vote for Todd to break the tie last round. Mm. So I am going for, uh, no, so it'll, it, Oh yeah. No. Yeah. Cause you went second last time. So yes, you would oh, be okay. first. Yeah. Time. Lizzie first. Um, hold on real quick. Let's reset. 
Todd, your cross-country Christmas was a thinly veiled allusion to our youth spent on the Mountain View High School cross-country team. Possibly. <laughs> and mine was a D&D campaign slash road trip with two different timelines happening. And the real one was some sort of road trip. Um. All right, Lizzie, what is your pick? Todd. Oh, brutal. Lizzie, you're killing me. I'm going to mute our mic for a second. I need to have a quick conversation. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know any of the people in yours. <laughs> oh, that's true. Oh. The, the character voices were were key. Mm. That's that's fair. Um, I know we broke the rules, but darn it, if that's not the best one I'm going to hear tonight, <laughs> Joe, I'm giving you the point. Uh, oh, Andrew, you don't know what's still remaining. I may be saving some of the best for life. No, that was my best. I, one, guys. I, I'm pretty <laughs> sure. And I know it's cheating, but it was really good. If this comes down to a one-point game, I will be very disappointed. <laughs> if Joe wins by one point, then it has an, it it has an asterisk. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it'll, it'll be like 1990s home run records. It'll be like the 2020, 2020 football season. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Um, so, I'm going to choose... Yeah, Joe, you're up. Yeah. Love, Light, Hanukkah. Oh, so we love, love lights Hanukkah. I love lights. There's an S. Oh dear. Oh dear. <laughs> I've got to rethink everything. guys. <laughs> you just have to pluralize a few other things. Can we take five? <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I will be just fine. Okay. <clears throat> Danny festive has started a new streaming service. Cineholaflix access plus the go-to destination <laughs> for movies about every holiday. <laughs> Danny has noticed a void in Hanukkah entertainment, and though he has no formal training in writing, he believes he is the man to craft the perfect Hanukkah film. Seeking inspiration, Danny looks to Christmas stories and songs to find the hidden magic that makes a classic. Standing in front of one of those conspiracy theory boards, he calls in his long-suffering assistant Maggie and describes what he wants in his Hanukkah script. He points to Tiny Tim in A Christmas Carol and says, rather than a sick child, he wants a sick puppy. He points to George Bailey and says that instead of a suicidal father of four, he wants a matriarch of a multi-generational family questioning life's worth. He points to the lyrics of Christmas shoes and says instead of a dying mother, he wants a dying child. When Maggie says that, circling back to Tiny Tim, he shushes her. He points to <laughs> O. Henry's gift of magi and says instead of a couple exchanging pointless gifts because of selflessness, he wants a couple who exchange pointless gifts because of selfishness. When Maggie says that describes most boyfriends she's had, he shushes her again. When he points to the little match girl and says that instead of a dying girl, he wants a dying boy, Maggie just bites her tongue. Sorry, In what was end, that one? He points to the little match girl and again says, instead of a dying girl, he wants a dying boy. And Maggie just bites her tongue. In the end, Danny crafts the most depressing, emotionally manipulative, thematically hollow screenplay for a Hanukkah movie that you can imagine. And because he's in charge, it gets made. We end with a montage of maudlin acting and cringing audience reactions with spinning newspaper headlines about the viral popularity of the So Bad It's Good Hanukkah movie. What was the Christmas shoes one? Oh, there's a song oh, called a Christmas song. Shoes. I think I've managed to help you avoid it. It's uh, about a little boy who wants to buy shoes for his dying mother. What? There's a lot of depressing Christmas stories when you start to look for them. And, and for Christmas Shoes is not. It is, there's a reason that. Christmas Shoes is sweet. There's a reason that you're able to avoid Christmas Shoes. Yeah. Um, because no one wants to play it. Um, what was the name of the streaming service? Uh, hold on. I got to go back up to the top. Cineholaflix Access Plus. <laughs> <laughs> right. Todd, what, what have you got for 
Love Lights Hanukkah. Well, in my in my defense, I thought that it was called Love Light Hanukkah. That must but... have been a typo for me then. If both of you had it wrong, that is that's on me. Well, you can see how it veered me into the wrong direction on my plot summary. You'd be missing that ass. <laughs> okay, you may have been wondering when I would pull out a description of a Christmas documentary, which <laughs> is a holiday tradition for me. Here it is. Do you know what many people in the world don't know enough about? Hanukkah. That's why what the world needs is a beautifully made documentary, giving an inside look at this amazing holiday. The film will be made by Roberto Benigni, who will go around the world learning about Jewish Hanukkah traditions. Roberto Benigni is the guy from uh, Life is Beautiful. And the from Italian. the subsequent Oscar uh, broadcast is what he's possibly most famous for. <laughs> of course, there will be some historical information about the Maccabees and the miraculous temple light, but this will mostly be an unironic view at the way Hanukkah is celebrated in a variety of households across the world. Benigni will visit the world's largest menorah in Grand Army Plaza in New York City, and he will make a menorah out of repurposed materials with Kurdistani refugees. He will certainly eat his share of fried potatoes and jelly donuts, but he will also fry plantains in Cuba and break a dreidel-shaped piñata in Mexico. Think Borat, but with none of the cynicism or irony. It's a true celebration of love and light. Hanukkah. Well, now mine just seems silly, Tom. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So this would be like a multi-year project. I don't think he can get all that footage in one Hanukkah season. Yes. There's a time limit on this, right? What do you mean there's a time limit on this? Like like Hanukkah, it's, it's like specifically eight nights. Right. Yeah, so he's got yes. to be doing, like, he's been building this for years. Yeah, sure. Okay. I would really love to see this guy go around the world and just visit with people and see their sweet traditions. I think he has that an would be energy. supremely watchable. And would teach the world a lot about Hanukkah. But would it premiere on Cinehala Flix Access Plus? <laughs> probably. That's true. Actually, probably would. <laughs> I feel like that's in the wheelhouse. <laughs> you're right. You're right. I just mostly want to get that name out there again because that might have been the high point of my pitch. <laughs> no, you had some really good. Some, you had some great lines in there. That was, there was that there was, was high. Things. That was high quality. Um. All right, the actual Love Lights Hanukkah. As Christina prepares her restaurant for its busiest time of year, she gets back a DNA test revealing that she's Jewish. The discovery leads her to a new family and an unlikely romance over eight nights. There it is. There there it is. (laughs) Now, the implications seem to be from... Like what I saw is like, okay, she gets the DNA test back and she has, she has Jewish heritage. And now she's like, okay, Hanukkah, I guess, I guess I don't do Christmas anymore. And I don't know that that's actually the scenario that happens. If you find out that you are ethnically Jewish. Uh, I don't want to dig into all of the validity of every Hallmark plot that's ever been done. (laughs) Because I also don't think you immediately go and find a love interest over the next eight days. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, okay. Oh, man, it's me, isn't it? Yes. Oh, man. 
This... So my silly uh, <laughs> leaning into some of the, the more uh, depressing tropes that can show up in Christmas stories and transferring them over to a Hanukkah film, Todd's documentary about Hanukkah traditions and the real one about uh, DNA results, sending someone onto a new life path. Outside of the, the, the actual film, this might be the strongest round of the night. Meaning you're having a hard time choosing. I'm having a very, very hard time choosing. Um, and like, I don't, I don't know that I voted for a lot of judges. You need a quick consultation. I don't know if I voted for a lot of Todd's documentaries, but I'm. Gonna, I don't know if you voted for any of I, my. Documentaries. Like, I'm not sure if I voted for any of them, but like, I'm really, really compelled by this one. This one is scratching the itch, and I think, I think I've got to go with Todd which I was not expecting after listening to Joe's and how much laughter that brought to both Todd and myself. Like we were enjoying it. Absolutely. Oh, it's fair. But no, there was, there was a, a tone shift uh, after mine <laughs> when Todd and his and, uh, but it, I, I think you can say both were good and hold the, you know, those different tones in your, in your mind simultaneously and say, they're just very different. What was pitched? Yes. And, and like, I want to watch both of these, more than most of the other films that we've talked about. <laughs> um, but I'm going with Todd for, for the point. This is, this is a point to Todd. Um, it might be my first ever documentary point that I've given. Um, but I really want to watch it. It sounds lovely. All right, Lizzie, what is your pick? Uh, Dad. Nice! <laughs> You're back on the nice list for Christmas. <laughs> I was afraid that you might not be a giant fan of Roberto Benigni documentary. or documentaries in general. Yeah, target audience is uh, shifting with multiple judges now. <laughs> like, with my uh, cross-country road trip, like, I didn't know the actors you're talking about. And yeah, mine was heavily rooted in the idea of those people trapped in a car together. I also figured that you might not be a giant fan of World War II action dramas. <laughs> <laughs> so... It's all right. That that keeps us close. Todd still has a one point lead. What do we have? We, do we have two more left? Let's see. I don't want to say the titles because some of these titles are uh, you just need to come upon them. I count uh, two left. Yeah, two left. Yeah. So that's what that's what I thought. Six. Yeah. Okay. And it's my pick, right? Yeah. Correct. Okay, I'm going with Forever Christmas. Have you ever wished that Christmas would last forever? So does Mary Frankenmuth. She leaves her Christmas lights up until March. She only gives out candy canes on Halloween. And her only thought is finally when she sees Christmas decorations at Walmart on November 1st. But oh, one I summer... think you're not giving Walmart enough credit there, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry to interrupt. <laughs> but I think you moved that date up just a little bit. Okay. But one summer day while blowing up a giant inflatable snowman on her front lawn, she receives an electric shock that knocks her unconscious. When she awakes, she finds herself in the land of the eternal Christmas, where everyone celebrates Christmas all year long. At first, she's elated, but then she realizes that the land of eternal Christmas is run by a terribly judgy, bizarro version of Santa Claus, who has imprisoned the Easter Bunny, the St. Patrick's Day Leprechaun, the Katrina from the Day of the Dead, and every other symbol of every holiday except Christmas. Not only that, but the world is locked in a never-ending, perfect winter snowstorm. Will Holly find the courage to recognize that all of the holidays and all of the seasons are worth enjoying and celebrating, or will she fall prey to the siren song 
of the forever Christmas. Oh, I like that, Todd. A little bit. I could, I could see myself like flipping over to Freeform and coming upon that film. (laughs) (laughs) All right. My forever Christmas plot. Each year, as the new Christmas season begins, the three ghosts of Christmas convene. Well, actually, there are briefly four ghosts of Christmas. You see, as the new season rolls around, there's a changing of the guard. The previous year's ghost of Christmas past prepares for retirement and will have nothing to do this year. The previous year's ghost of Christmas present takes over as ghost of Christmas past. The previous year's ghost of Christmas future takes off the grim hooded cloak and reveals a boisterous, jolly ghost of Christmas present. And of course, there's always the new grim ghost of Christmas future to welcome in and introduce to the system. They have to go over HR forums, do the welcoming PowerPoint. It's the whole thing to introduce the new guy to the system. But this year, as Christmas past relaxes, Christmas present asks... uh, uh, asks about how far back to take someone, and Christmas future revels in being able to speak... No new ghost of Christmas future arrives. This can only mean that there is no Christmas next year. Now it's up to the three ghosts to discover what is about to happen to prevent any future Christmas from taking place. Is there a real legitimate war on Christmas? Is it just 2020 being 2020? Is the human race due to go extinct in the next four weeks? Only these time hopping spirits can solve the mystery and save Christmas for the future. And then they go join forces with Doug and Noel (laughs) from the Christmas Yule blog. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> who are living in that world where yes. Christmas has been forbidden. Yeah. Your dystopian future one. I, uh, I was, uh, knew that I had this, uh, no Christmas future, uh, in, in coming up. <laughs> so. Interesting. Um, my job is to do those HR forms with new employees. <laughs> I feel, I feel targeted. <laughs> In the good way, as though I'm I, trying to curry favor for I, a point from you? No. I was oh. hosting that PowerPoint today. Oh. <laughs> All right. I, I threw that line in like 10 minutes before we started recording. Can't but be what disregarded. The, ignore that and just focus on the mystery of No Christmas Future and the time-hopping ghost sound. I like figure mystery. <laughs> All right. The actual uh, Forever Christmas. When workaholic TV producer Sophie starts working on a holiday reality show about Will, a handsome man who celebrates Christmas every day of the year, she finds herself falling for her mysterious new star. Okay. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I keep waiting for more. Um, and, every time I'm expecting more and it just never comes. <laughs> and as I understand it, um, it is also known as Mr. 365. Okay, um, so that's one. Uh, I don't. I don't know whether we've got the the Christmas title or whether the Christmas title is for the international audience. Um, but um, all right. Let's let's get a quick reminder, and then I think Lizzie's got the first pick on this one. All right. So Todd, you had uh, the world in which a uh, doppelganger Santa has trapped all this the the personified symbols of other holidays to ensure a permanent Christmas season. Correct. Yes. All right. And Holly Frank and Mary Frankenmuth has to, has to decide <laughs> if she's going to fall prey to the siren song of forever Christmas or help to save all the other holidays. All right. I had the, uh, the ghost of Christmas past, present and future switching down the, the line, but there's no new ghost of Christmas future that comes in and they have to solve the mystery of what happened. 
And then the real one was wh- whatever Andrew just said. I can't even. <laughs> it was Mr. 365. Yeah. Yeah. The guy celebrates Christmas every day. Reality TV romance. She's intrigued. So Lizzie. The real one. Oh, the real, the real one. one gets a second oh. vote. Okay. This is hurting my comeback chances. I'm still one behind here. Kind of needed to, to pull, pull that one out. Um, I am voting for Joe on this one. Oh, oh. that's a tie going into the last round. Okay. I can do this. Um, All right. I, and now that said, gotta say, uh, there is no, no sense of what has actually caused the problem. So your synopsis yeah, does leave <laughs> quite a bit of the mystery. I, I would say you've maybe written a synopsis for act one of your film. Hey, maybe uh, let's compare that to the synopsis that just won a vote from my daughter. <laughs> maybe a premise. Yeah, so that was definitely more of a premise than I, uh, I had worked out what the end was. That's the one I was talking about when I said there's there's one of these that are really quite a lot. Hanging. <laughs> but but it was really intriguing. And I did like the world that you constructed. Thank you. All right. You guys have the last one. Who's who's starting? Uh, Joe, you've got a. Yes, this is our last one. It is titled Free Rain, the 12 Nays of Christmas. I just want that title to sink in one more time for our listeners. <laughs> Free rain, the 12 nays of Christmas. And that is that is rain as in like like horsemanship. Yes, yeah. So this is, there's a couple couple uh, do we want to call these puns? Do they rise to the level of puns? There's a couple of word choices. Yes. <laughs> in this and and they were so pleased with them they didn't just choose one they they did the the subtitle <laughs> all right i've got to find a voice to read off this particular summary i've got to be channeling a certain kind of narrator all right and i got to do this straight through guys once i get the voice Every December on the wintry plains, the horses are forced to gather. For as long as they can remember, the frost giant Elgorth has taken the mightiest horses and enslaved them to pull his sleigh as he attempts to catch Santa and his reindeer-drawn sleigh. When the horses fail to catch Santa, they're never seen again. But this year, for the first time in memory, there is a rebellion in the horses' ranks. A mare named Shadowreath, the Inspired, has called on 11 horses to join her in refusing Elgorth's summons. Yule Fire the Mighty, Tinsel Sage the Wise, Dusk Elf the Spy, Dragon Drum the Constant, Candlebane the Champion, Ivy Elder the Watchful, Carol Rage the Unsung, Garland Dire the Scourge, Angel Light the Pure, Bell Steel the Steady, and Jingle Hoof the Rhythmic. Join Shadowreath in Mount the rebellion against their dread foe Elgorth and his tyrannical pursuit of Santa the Claus. <coughs> wow. Oh man. <laughs> and that is my summary for Free Rain, the 12 nays of Christmas. Oh man, that was good. I thought maybe I was going to win this one. <laughs> Real quick, um, Joseph, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to need you to text me that list of names. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. just so I have that. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right, Todd. <laughs> what what you got? Okay, this is what I've got. 
global warming has finally taken its ultimate toll. There is no <laughs> snow at the North Pole. And it's too warm for reindeer to pull Santa's sleigh. Desperate, Santa, played by Gary Oldman, conjures up a daring plan to teach horses how to fly. First, he must hire a world-renowned horse trainer, an ornery old cuss named Tom, who has flirted time and again with the naughty list, but is the best in the business, played by Clint Eastwood or Sam Elliott. You decide. (laughs) Together, Santa and Tom go on a wild chase across the globe and through time to gather up the 12 fastest horses in history. Horses aren't as strong as reindeer, so you need 12 of them. (laughs) Uh, They need to teach them how to fly with a little North Pole magic, but most importantly, turn them from 12 champions into one united team. You will thrill as Santa hops into his sleigh and calls out, on Secretariat, on Seabiscuit, on Bucephalus, on Hidalgo, on Manowar, on Sergeant Reckless, on Frankel, on Redbum, on Godolphin Barb, on Beautiful Jim Key, on California Crone, on Exterminator. <laughs> Is that the end of your summary? That's the end of my summary. <laughs> oh man, those are all real horses. That was 160 words. Those are all real horses, aren't they? Those are every one of them real horses. And, and real champions, I assume. Yes. Yes, among the most famous horses in history. I've only heard of Sergeant Reckless. I don't know if this is going to sway your vote. Uh, But none of mine were real. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I went in very different directions there, Todd, but somehow also the same direction. (laughs) (laughs) As you were reading it, I was like, what? (laughs) I I couldn't be more thrilled that the two of you both decided to just run through a list of 12 horse names. (laughs) You'll fire the mighty tinsel sage right, the one. <laughs> um, I just want you to. I just want you to picture for a minute Gary Oldman as Santa Claus after his uh, darkest uh, hour performance, and then like an ornery old horse trainer, either played by Clint Eastwood or Sam Elliott. You decide. <laughs> kind of. I don't know around. Of those is ornery old man, Todd. I don't know. That's really. As in this, like, buddy, it's it's like a buddy film, right? Mm-hmm. And they're gathering the team together. Yeah. They have to. Yeah. Who's delivering? Like Mighty Ducks meets. All right, all right, guys, who's guys, delivering I got the call? Who's delivering Imagine. the call? Imagine. Is, is it Sam Elliott delivering that call? Because. No, no, no. It's Gary Oldman oh. in. Well, it's Sam Elliott. Of course it's Sam Elliott. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, wait. Guys, imagine that mine was all Rankin-Bass stop motion. (laughs) (laughs) This was the Rankin-Bass one originally, but then it ended up feeling more like the animated Lord of the Rings when I wrote it. (laughs) Oh, man. I'm sorry. I'm not going to lie. Rankin-Bass stop motion is not not putting things in in favor. (laughs) Then forget I said that. All right. Todd and I are tied. Now, let me reveal to you guys something about Free Rain, the 12 Nays of Christmas. That This is not a movie. What? It's not a movie. This is an episode of a British TV series called Free Rain. It's on Netflix. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> it is on Netflix. This is this is like a British series um, called Free Rain, and they have like a Christmas special. Okay. Called the 12 Days of Christmas. Uh, And it's about 
horse girls, by which I mean girls who like take care of horses, not okay. centaurs and not like the anime um, where girls are <laughs> That's like, what I was thinking and, and not what, what is that? Like pretty derby or something where girls, I was thinking like, of the, the girl airplanes. It's kind of like <laughs> that actually where like there's girls who run in horse races, um, but it's just a, a field of girls anyway. Um, Okay, that we're going down the tangent. I'm not ready for. <laughs> I'll I'll send you a clip. Not necessary. <laughs> All right. So, as Brightfields prepares for its mistletoe ball, a broken ornament leads Zoe to a family secret, while Gabby finds herself at the mercy of new boss Mia. Which I assume makes a lot of sense if you watch the series. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of assumed continuity present in that summary. Yes. Um, do I have to pick first? I don't remember. Uh, I think so, yes. Um, all right, quick, quick reiteration. Joseph had the fantasy frost giant chasing Santa with yeah. the rebellion of horses. Mm-hmm. Including such names as Jingle Hook the Rhythmic. I don't think Garland Dyer the Scourge. <laughs> Angel Light the Pure. Okay. Payroll Rage the Unsung. I'm sorry. I'm, I'll stop now. And Todd had the training horses to replace the reindeer because of global warming. Yes. What a finale. <laughs> I'm <sighs> Shadow Wreath <the> inspired. <laughs> I'm I'm going with Joe yes! on this one. Okay. Wow. At best I can get or at worst I can get an asterisk win <laughs> if it's the time. And Lizzie gets right, the Lizzie. final point of the night. It's a tie. It's a tie. She's going for Todd. Wow. <laughs> so seven points to each of you and two points to actual uh, the, filmmakers. Yes. Um, wow. I'll take the tie tonight. And, yeah. and I, due to I, the, I apologize due to the for, uh, ignoring rules about word counts, guys. <laughs> I'll to try to be better. I think that means that like technically it's a Todd-ish win, a but we're going to call it a tie. Win. <laughs> yeah. A, a tie that leans towards Todd. Yes. I think that's fair. And within the holiday spirit. Yeah, no, I feel very, I feel very good with a tie. Well, thank you, Todd, for coming back to record our sixth annual Christmas special. Thank you, producer Andrew and Lizzie for (laughs) joining us as judges. And I feel very good with the result. Listeners, please let us, please let us know if you had any particular favorites uh, as we, I don't know what we're doing in this. We made up random Christmas specials. We've been doing it for six years. I don't know how my life has come to this. I hope you enjoy it, listeners. <laughs> uh, any final Christmas thoughts or anything you want to do to wrap up, anyone? This is just uh, something that I look forward to every year and uh, simultaneously dread. <laughs> <laughs> I Every year, I think... I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it. And then something clicks when I'm actually sitting down like the, the 12 days of Christmas. I'm like, I have nothing. I have nothing for the longest time. And then the idea of just combining high fantasy names with Christmas objects just 
suddenly clicked and I found something to grab onto. And it's just finding that one thing to grab onto is, some, is all you need for these summaries. Yeah. I, uh, the, the one that I struggled the very most with, I think was the Christmas Yule blog, because in my mind I had two ideas going. One was Yule Brenner. I wanted somebody <laughs> who was blogging about Yule Brenner. Well, so Todd, I have a summary for you. <laughs> And the other thought that was in my mind was, wouldn't it be so cool if this whole entire movie played out like Lizzie Bennet Diaries, like as an actual, like a vlog? And I just, I couldn't make it work. I tried and tried and tried and I I, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. It was really frustrating because I felt like I was close to something, but yet so far away. That was the hardest one for me. Yeah, for me, it was the 12 Nays of Christmas. <laughs> a great title. I just couldn't figure it out for a while. Uh, and then Bows of Holly. Actually, Bows of Holly was another one where I'm like, I know this would be a Hallmark one just because of the title. Uh, but I, I couldn't find the angle for, for a while. All right. Well, I think that is going to wrap up this episode. Thank you for joining us. And uh, please subscribe to the Protagonist Podcast and your podcast app of choice. And please leave us a review. That really helps us out. We would like to thank Nick English, who designed our logo, and Scott Tofty, who composed our theme music. And uh, thank you again for listening. We'll be back next week to discuss another, another great character in a great story. So long. So long. On Secretariat, on Seabiscuit, on Bucephalus, on Hidalgo, on Manowar, on Sergeant Reckless, on Frankel, on Redbum, on Gib- <laughs> Almost there. I knew I wasn't going to be able to say Redbum. <laughs> I'm not familiar with the legend, legend of Red Bum. You may have to fill me in after we, you're done. <laughs> Todd, I, I know you're trying to gather yourself, but I just have a question. If we were to check your Google search history, <laughs> would you have been looking up famous horses within the last 24 hours? <laughs> Every one of these, somebody decided, yes, that's absolutely what we're going to call this thing. And it's going to be a world champion. Okay, here we go. I don't know if I should start back at the beginning or just. Yeah, yeah, I want you to take the the call from the top (laughs) one more time. I can read through mine again afterwards if you want. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Okay. Hold on a second. I'm sorry. It's been the longest day of the year for me. I'm so tired right now.